is that we believe we have it or are understanding it as a self. That's the biggest limit of all. But this, this energy that's available, I found, wants to be conveyed. Yeah? If somebody or something is having difficulty, then this energy will come out in a way. In a, what I found when I was first at AA, it was like, you're like a hose and this water would come through. If you put yourself in a position to be used, you would be used. It had nothing to do with you personally or anything. It was just if you found yourself in the position and you were willing to be used, the need for the message to be heard was much more important than the people involved in it. Right? The message would come out. And what happened with me is I first started doing workshops in, at this place in the city, the dry dock, 18 years ago, 19 years ago, based on Joe and Charlie. Because I had the first three years of my sobriety... I went to see Joe and Charlie in Sacramento. I did this, it's a big book seminar, and I went to it. The first time was really cool because I heard people share about it at an AA meeting. I was only a couple months sober. But I looked at those two people that shared about it, and they, they were lit up where the others in the room weren't lit up. And that caught my attention. So I tried to, rem- and then I never heard of it for months, for months, but I remembered those two people. And then one day someone had an application for the next one at a meeting I was at, and so I grabbed that application, and I, you know, registered, sent the money in, and went to Sacramento, not knowing anybody that was up there, not knowing Joe and Charlie or nothing, went by myself, and attended it, and it was incredible, first of all, because everyone there was pretty enthusiastic about recovery, it was, you know, it wasn't like, there was a certain level of understanding the condition they were truly in, and that brings about a sobriety where you're not... To me, a commitment to AA isn't based on feeling. It's a commitment based on an understanding. You realize you're fucked. Yeah? It's just that simple. It ain't going to work any other way. And that sobers you up to the point where I'm going to make a commitment to this and I don't care if I feel like doing it or not, I'm going to show up. Yeah? It's not based on, oh, I want to go tonight and I don't want to go tonight. No, it was like... No, something has been revealed to me, and it would be a dishonoring of what was revealed if I would just arrogantly act as if it didn't mean that much. Yeah. So I went and heard them, and the first year it was incredible because I had done a fifth step. You know, I learned a fourth step from my sponsor at the time, but there was I had very little understanding what was going on. But I broke down it. I didn't see what the first column had to do with the fourth column. It was totally out there. And Joe and Charlie, and I had read some of the book, but then they explained it, the book, and I remember Saturday morning they would do the fourth step. And uh, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I was sitting there, and I was having tons of revelations just by them explaining what I had already read, because I wasn't mining the same information that they were putting out, and it was the same words. And that's the whole thing about a living book, which I believe AA is. It's It's meant to be interpreted. Yes, you can't take it the way you think it is, because it can be seen in a thousand different lights. It matters what kind of spiritual condition you're entertaining, actually, I believe. So there they were sharing it, and it was like whacking me constantly. Saturday morning, they explained how the fourth step, the four columns and the whole thing that you, you got in that probably print out. And I got it. I was sitting there and got it, and I went, I left after they finished that segment, and I went to my little motel room, and I did a fifth step, fourth step. Now, I had you know, like trudged through a fourth step, the first one. But this one, because I understood what was going on, I was into it, and I just did about an hour and a half. 
And it was such a beautiful piece of revelation because I had the understanding to coax out the stuff and to hold it in a new light. And that's the whole point that I'm attempting to share. The solution that you may be entertaining may not be the solution. There may be another way of holding it. And you'll know its validity by the results you get in your life. You will travel lighter if you're on to something. If you're not traveling lighter consistently, you're not on to something. We tend to see when we're not traveling lighter consistently, we always turn it upon ourselves that I'm doing something wrong. But sometimes the formula is flawed. It's not you. It's not you. There's a missing something in there. So in that big book seminar, they, cle- they cleared up a lot of things. So I went there for three years, and after three years, I had it. I didn't need to go again. You know, I understood what they were saying to a certain point, and that was that. So then I started doing that fourth step workshop in San Francisco. And then it went on and on and on. But then I, was, I started to entertain another idea, other than the one the big book puts out, which is, I don't believe the root of the problem is obsession with self humbly don't believe that in my own experience. I believe it's what I would call identification as self. It's totally a different beast. Totally a different beast. And one of the reasons why I was open to that idea was because I had been wrestling with self as if it was a, uh, like a, a competitor or an adversary that I had to beat, you know, that I was constantly wrestling with it, trying to fight off this obsession, and I never really got any long-lasting relief. I had to keep doing and doing and doing, and at the most inopportune moments, it would kick in, yeah? Things I had worked for and planned for, I'm really going to enjoy this vacation. As soon as I get there, my head would start talking about, you know, oh, you forgot something on at the house, you know, in America, whatever. And immediately I would be disassociated from my, the experience or the conscious contact of being in Thailand because I'd go into the unconscious contact of being obsessed with my thoughts. You don't have to... The experience of now does, isn't brought to you by thought. Yeah? Awareness, the only... The only way you can think or notice thoughts is by awareness, but thinking doesn't bring about awareness. Awareness is first. Conscious contact is the denominator that we're in. What we do is we forget that conscious contact and we start living an interpretation based on thoughts, which is a system called self-centeredness. It's a thought-interpretative system, and we have been hijacked by it, and we have an extreme subdivision of it called alcoholism which is an extreme experience of self-centeredness. Everyone has self-centeredness, unless they don't. They don't have it because they're not it. But they're suffering from it unless they've woken up, in a sense, to the fact that they're not that. But everyone has self-centeredness. But alcoholism, alcoholics are extreme examples of self-centeredness. That's all it is. We're just, the contrast is easier to see because it's painted with a broad brush stroke. Yeah? Other people are suffering, suffering quietly. They put all their money on the formula of society and it hasn't translated them to be happy, joyous, and free, but all they do is keep trying to tweak the numbers of the formula. They never look at the formulas, Floyd. Because why? Because they're identified with the root of the formula, which is the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, reinforced and actually rooted in your identification as a body. You're taking yourself to be this, and when you take yourself to be this, the most you can do with spirituality is to try to attain it and achieve it, or graft it onto this as the fundamental me. I'm saying the fundamental you is the spirituality. 
That's the fundamental you. And when you entertain that and realize it, you will see that is the purest form of a spiritual condition and the purest way of maintaining one is to be a spiritual condition. It's freaking pointless to keep trying to have a spiritual condition yet when you already believe you are physicality. It's freaking pointless. It is freaking pointless. It's like trying to grasp something that doesn't... Like when I got run over by a car, I got my leg got ruined, yeah? So usually... With an accident like this, they put skin grafts on, and skin grafts are enough to fool the bone to start healing. But my thing was so damaged, it didn't matter how many. I had, they took skin grafts off of here, here, here. It wouldn't take. They had to take. They had to fool it by taking a big clump of my muscle and nerves and here called the dorsal flap and sticking it on there, and that convinced the leg. To, okay, now I'm gonna leg again. Yeah, I'm gonna grow again. So. The skin grafts wouldn't take. That's sort of what it's like trying to graft spirituality onto your physicality. If you are not clear that you're in the identification as this, then no matter how much you try to become spiritual, how can this become spiritual? It's impossible. Its, it's predominant fact is its form and matter. You know, it's like freaking ridiculously pointless in a sense. But if you entertain that you are spirit, yeah, then all the, the greatest maintaining of spiritual condition is to be one. That's the best way to ever maintain a spiritual condition is when you recognize you are one. Yeah? Then in that recognition, the spiritual condition is seen at all times with no requirement necessary in every aspect of your life because it is the awareness or light that's allowing you to have a life. So there's no moment where there isn't spirit. Spirit isn't captured in an experience. You, as this, cannot have a spiritual experience. You are a spirit. You cannot have a spiritual experience. We think we have spiritual experiences. That's what we call them out here. I do something, and then I have a feeling of being a spirit. So then maybe I start wearing whites, or start reading things, or looking at you blissfully, lovingly. You know. Yes. I've never had a resentment. I, I pity you, but I'm just perfect. Yes, all this. It's all baloney. It's fucking baloney. You are spirit. It can take any form it freaking wants. It expresses itself through any form. It's what's looking when you're mad. It's what's looking when you're in, supposedly in fear. It's what's looking when you're happy. It's what's looking when you're nice. It's what's looking when you're not nice. It never blinks. It never turns off. It's always available at all times. It's our true nature. But we, we are attempting to attain or achieve our true nature in the vehicle of our false nature. You're never going to get to the destination because you're at the destination right now. This is not a journey that you are going to take. The you that you think takes the journey is not you. The you that you think it, that you think is you is what creates a sense of a journey. When you realize you're not this idea of self, there's no journey in spirituality. It's called life. That's the journey. It's life. It's spirituality expressing itself in a in a state of being. It's called living. But there's no journey. There's no spiritual journey because everything's a spiritual journey. This is like the vehicle. Let's say the spirit uses the vehicle. Does this drives like a Ford? Smells like a Ford? Turns like a Ford? Yes. It really behooves you to learn ex- everything you can learn about a Ford. 
Yeah. But when you learn everything about a Ford, you take it to the next step, which is, I am not that. Yeah. If not, then it's only self-knowledge, and it avails you nothing. You can have all the knowledge in the freaking world about self, and if you're identified as self, it avails you freaking nothing. It's like you're a professor of holes, but you're still falling into holes all day. You know everything about holes, you know how they happen, but, but you're, you're looking out from underneath, you know, from a hole. What's the point of the knowledge of holes? I see the only point is to keep me out of holes, yeah? So, so that's why it says, hey, why do you, why does, how do you hold that statement? Self-knowledge avails us nothing. Wait a minute. This whole society is based on knowledge and information. Why does we say self-knowledge avails you nothing? Knowledge doesn't avail you anything, but any knowledge claimed by self will avail you nothing because it won't lead you to the freedom from self. Yeah? And this modality called self-centeredness, what it does, its main movement, check it out, is to claim, to become the owner of, the proprietor of, the haber of. So the body, I have a body. Yes? Actually, it's totally identified as a body, but it also says, I have a body. Time, my time. Problems, my problems. Thoughts, my thoughts. This is the first place in AA we need immunity, is thoughts. It's just how we hold thoughts, because most of us are holding thoughts as either I'm the thinker of the thought, or the thoughts are about me. Yeah? Either way, it hooks your attention, yeah? A thought is just a thought, but if it's called my thought, you're going to be attentive to it. Why? Because it's about you. That's all that's required for your attention to be turned over to that thought, is you to believe it's about you or that you thought it. Yeah? Check it out. You go to here, let's say this man shares with me his thoughts that day. I'm like Solomon. I have total wisdom about his thoughts. Yes, you know, that would be not a wise move to do. That's really insane. That's, you should check yourself into an asylum or something. That's freaking insanity. But I'll be listening to the same thoughts, but holding them as mine, and I'm thinking they're incredibly genius thoughts. This is a, what a freaking great plan. I'm sure, of course, I don't share it with anyone outside. I just keep it up there. You know? But I'm assuming, what's the difference? The same thought... But one I have wisdom about, the other I don't have any wisdom about. It's how I'm holding them, yes? That thought, I'm holding it as his, so I have an immunity to it. This thought, I'm holding as mine, I don't have an immunity to it. So what is it? Is it the thought, or is it the identification as being the thinker of the thought that bonds you? It's the identification that binds you. It's not the freaking thought. And most of the thoughts that are being entertained in our head are alcoholic thoughts, because of system of thought and interpretation called alcoholism is generating alcoholic thoughts and we're noticing those thoughts and every one we notice we claim to be ours and that's the bondage to self it's a verb it's not something that you got tattooed with one day and now you've been bonded to self the rest of your life it's an activity mind's doing all day it's binding you to the idea of being a self all day it's interpreting your life from that point it has a narration about life from that point. All the dialogue going on in your head is based on that point, And therefore, it keeps you in a trance of being a self. And that's called the bondage to self. And we're asking to be relieved of that bondage to self. How are you going to... So, if you hear that statement, bondage to self, yes? So, self is something, yeah? And then there's bondage to it. But what's on this side that gets bonded to it? can't be self. You're not self. 
But you are, let's say, this nebulous thing, let's call it spirit. So spirit gets bonded to self. How does it get bonded to self? It gets bonded to self by the identification of everything about life being about you. This is my problem, this is my time. So then you live life, instead of seeing life as it happens, you think it's happening to me. Yes? It becomes a self-centered interpretation, which keeps reinforcing, keeping you in the trance. And that's why it's difficult to break the obsession, because the problem isn't the obsession with self. That's the effect of the identification of self. Yeah? The head that's into self reinforces the identification by obsessing over it all day. And that's why you're not getting relief, because you're dealing with an effect. If you go to the root, and I'm saying humbly that I believe it's identification of self, if you spend a little time and attention in inquiring about that, am I truly that? Am I truly the thinker of these thoughts? Then how could I say these thoughts are mine when I go to a meeting of AA and I hear a lot of people share their thoughts and their feelings about life and their reactions to life, and I identify with them? I would actually say, how did they have my thoughts about life? How did they have my feelings? I thought no one else had this feeling. And I swear no one else did what I did out there. Well, a lot of people in the one room have done what you've done. Because what you're identifying as yours are alcoholic thoughts and reactions and feelings generated by alcoholism in the apparatus. That's it. And we're sitting in the room every night that is that information is being revealed and we totally miss it. We totally keep going home with calling these thoughts mine and these feelings mine and entertaining terminal uniqueness, even though it's been revealed that we cannot possibly be, they cannot be my thoughts or every, how did all these people get my thoughts? I don't even know where you came from. I don't know, you don't come from where I come from. How do you have my freaking thoughts? How do you have my feelings? I was sure no one ever had a feeling like this. And now I've just met five people in one meeting share their, my feeling. Obviously, they're not yours. You've made a mistake for a long time. You've been identifying the parasite of alcoholism's expressions through your life and calling them yours. That, I'm saying humbly, putting it out there is the root of the problem. My job is served. Yeah, I've served you. I've given you a spiritual subpoena, like we said the other night. Now check it out. See if it works for you. It worked for me. I started entertaining this, and I had a radical shift, and I've been living under that radical shift for years now. I was meant through conditioning to believe that solutions really never, never override the problems. They just would keep them at bay for a while, keep them a little tempered down, keep them a little bit not explosive as much as they used to be, and I would call that a damn solution. Those are not solutions. A solution is, in a sense, it says in AA, the problem will not exist for you anymore. Now, that's a solution that's worthy of the name of solution. The problem does not exist for you anymore. You're inherently free now. Yeah? So once you see that the bondage to selfing is mostly starts with claiming whatever's happening through this apparatus as yours or about you, which it isn't. <laughs> You know, it's just really that simple. So when I hear, hold a thought, I have wisdom about it. When that thought becomes my thought, I don't have wisdom about it. You have, you see at least, they say in some research, 70,000 thoughts. Most of them you don't see. But let's say you see 10,000 thoughts a day go through your head, yeah? 
I'd say 9,998 of them are about you, probably, the self. Yeah? So you're seeing 10,000 thoughts. So let's say each thought weighs an ounce. Okay? Just an ounce. So, 10, so you're basically carrying 10,000 ounces a day. Now, we're all used to carrying 10,000 ounces. It's sort of like gravity. No one sat, I bet you, in a cafe today and complained to their neighbor about the effects of gravity. You know, it's really my shoulders heavy today. Is it on your left shoulder? It seems like there's a lot of gravity pushing me down here. This one's all right, but here, yeah. No, no one has a clue about gravity. And yet we're all under the effects of it all day. All freaking day. Yeah? The same thing with selfing. It's unbelievable. You come to take what's insanely insane normal, in a sense. So here's 10,000 thoughts, weigh 10,000 ounces. Yeah, no, you're, you're used to traveling. You can carry it. You don't even, it doesn't exhaust you going to work or having a relationship or climbing up hills or whatever like that. Now, let's take, you change the weight of the thought. So now I'm going to say the thought is my thought. My. So I'll give you an example. You put money here and you put sex, yes? And you put, let's say, relationships. Now we look at them and go, well, they, they all have meaning to us. Yeah? Everyone in the room. Now I'm going to change the meaning dramatically with one little addition. My money. Something you'll be obsessed over probably the rest of your life. My sex, especially if you're not having any. You're really probably obsessing over My relationships, yes? It changes the whole meaning, the word my, doesn't it? Money isn't money anymore when it's my money. Yeah, no, no, no. It has a much bigger meaning to me when it's mine. Same thing with thoughts, so... Thought, 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 thought. Now they're mine. So now each one of them weighs a pound. Now you're traveling every day with 10,000 pounds. Yeah? I would say that would be the experience of traveling heavy in your life. And if you travel heavy enough, you're probably going to want relief from it. And if you want relief from it, and you have alcoholism and addiction, and you're identified as that self that has alcoholism and addiction... Sooner or later, its idea of relief is going to be get loaded. Okay? So if the relief never gets relieved, and you have tons of stories about it, but that doesn't work, and all the excuses, that doesn't work, blaming others, that doesn't work, sooner or later, you're going to get to a point of fuck it, and it's going to bring its solutions. And they're going to seem really, really good, maybe, that moment, which is, ah, fuck it, let's get loaded. Yeah? And then you have that drink, and that whatever, that drug, and it's like the genie comes out of the bottle. And now, you thought it was bad carrying those 10,000 thoughts. Now, you know, maybe you had 10,000 pounds of ideas about your relationship, but now you're up on stalking charges. Yeah? Now you're getting divorced. Now you're going five to ten years to prison. Now you're doing this and doing that. Once it has you on this world and, you're, and you've given it, given it its fuel, it creates a huge, huge fields of flypaper, and you get stuck on them. Maybe you have to go to court for three freaking years for one fucking idea you had. <laughs> Some people are in jail for the rest of their lives because they had five extra thoughts in the situation. If you're addicted, if you believe the thoughts are yours, you have a very hard time not listening to them. And if, the only reason why I'm not in jail right now is because I didn't have five extra thoughts in certain situations. I was getting super pissed, everything like that, and all that would have had to say was, why won't we just shoot the motherfucker? And if I had a gun and shot him, I may be up for 30 years right now. So I would say immunity to thought is a damn good idea, don't you think? 
considering if you don't have immunity to thought, you're going to be at the effect of its interpretations about you and everyone else. T- simplest little example. Someone believes they're, if, uh, if they're lazy, right? Something's wrong if they're lazy. Well, then you look at it, all right. What, are you, what, what does being lazy mean to you? Well, it means I'm no good. All right, well, what does that mean to you? I'm, I'm talking actually to the self. Well, if I'm no good, I don't deserve much. All right, what does that mean to you? If I don't deserve much, I'm bad. What does that mean to you? I should be fucking punished. Yes? And so what happens? The little thing that plays God up here plays God in your life. So when you, when you have a day that you don't have to do anything, your head interprets it as you're being lazy, and, that, and underneath that you feel totally worthless. Yeah? So you can't even enjoy the day that life brought to you, a day not to do much because of this thing playing God. It won't let you enjoy fucking anything. It changes the rules every day. If it says jump through 50 hoops and you religiously do, it adds five more. It's just, it fucks with you constantly. It's called an AA. It says the how and why of the whole program, the third step is this. It says the how and why of it. And it says quit playing God. It doesn't work. What plays God? Your head. Yeah? To me, my head sounds like the God of the Old Testament. If you ever read the Old Testament, it's a very vengeful, jealous, don't put one, any other God in front of me, I'll smoke you, you know, give up your kid or I'll kill you. And it sounds just like my head. I mean, it really does. It sounds like what I've been listening to for years, yeah? This thing plays God. It tells you how you are, how you're ever going to be, that you're never going to be loved, or whatever. It passes judgments like that. And because you have no immunity to them, they have an effect on you, yeah? So maybe they have such an effect on you that your belief that you'll never be loved and its desire to be right, you'll never see love into your life. You'll never even recognize the uh, delivery. You'll miss it, and then you'll have a big story about, I've never been loved, but you had tons of opportunities. You just never saw them because you were blinded by that God you were listening to in your head. You need an immunity to it, seriously. You really do. You won't find out what life is from its point of view. It's just an interpretation. You've gone over every inch of what it has to offer already. You've you've entertained every possibility it has in its little limited sky. And all you're doing is a rehashing. That's all you're doing. You're re-feeling, rethinking, re-fearing constantly. On and on and on and on and on. It's like you're in the same lap, and you know you're in the same lap, but your mind just changes the scenery, so it looks like it's a new lap. (laughs) But it's the same lap, over and over and over. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, 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 afraid. But the dilemma, and this is why we're sharing it, this system of self has a very tricky strategy. It's convinced the host that you're it. The parasite of alcoholism has convinced you you're the self. And the self has been produced by it. Yes? Maybe in the beginning you were society was producing it, but man, this thing customized the trumpet and has been playing an incredible song through you, this alcoholism. So this parasite has taken over the host. And it's a hostile takeover, as anyone who's been taken over by alcoholism knows. It's not a nice takeover. It treats the host really badly. Really badly. And it won't usually let you die because you're its only host. 
You know, ever seen alcoholics? You fucking can't kill them. They're unbelievable. They have abscesses, missing teeth, limbs. They're still alive. I know people that I lived on the Haight-Ashbury when I was first sober 21 years ago, and the same people are there living on the streets. Never, they can't die. It's impossible. That freaking parasite ain't letting them go. So here's the parasite. has this hostile takeover. The host, you would think, would naturally want to throw it off. But this parasite's got the greatest strategy. It's convinced the host that it's the parasite. So the host can never entertain to be free of it. It can entertain therapizing it. It entertains, maybe I can socialize it. Maybe it'll give me a break so I can enjoy a barbecue or go back to school or whatever or not get arrested. Wow, these great levels of success. But you won't entertain being free of it because you're identified as it. Your mind, if it's identified as self, cannot truly entertain being free of it. It's impossible. The system of thought doesn't have that program in it. If you're identified as it, it will not entertain being free of it. That's why people kill themselves who have lots of time. And they use, do they shoot themselves in the elbow? No, they shoot themselves in the freaking head. Because that's what's driving them freaking crazy. The parasites hijacked it. And see, it says in our book, if you read it, page 64, it says in this important part, because everyone knows about the inventory process, how important it is in AA. But this, if you look at the statement, you tell me what you get out of it. Because this, and it's right out of the book. It says, being convinced, which means to believe in, to believe with certainty. Yeah, so you, obviously through your own experience, you come to be convinced that, that self, this idea of being a Paul, manifested in various ways. In other words, it appears in various ways, manifested. So self, manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us. So it's a beautiful statement, first of all, because he separates the two. Us and self are not the same. I'm saying, how self defeated me, I was identified as it. That's the only way it has the possibility of defeating me. The only way. It uses my own juice to defeat me with. Yeah? It doesn't have a life of its own. It claims mine. It, self does not have a life of its own. It claims mine. That's what it does. Yeah? And then it uses me to do what? To express itself through. So here, being convinced that self manifests in various ways is what has defeated us. Right? We will now look at its, meaning selves, that in English, its means self, not us, its. We'll now look at its common manifestations. So some of the common appearances in my life, of self. The next paragraph is resentment. So in this view, I see what you're really doing an inventory of in your life is self-expressions through you. The grosser ones are resentments, fears, and hurting other people in the pursuit of what you want. So we use the sexual arena to check that behavior out. But those behaviors or traits or characteristics are selves. That's why when we're at a meeting, we identify with other alcoholics. I don't identify with who you are. I identify with what you think you are. Because I've been thinking the same thing my life. And we all, as we're thinking this, we think we're terminally unique. That's the beauty of AA. Because we go into a meeting and we realize the first thing that starts getting weakened is that terminal uniqueness, that incredible isolation of thinking no one understands you. 
then you recognize Jesus Christ. These are just run-of-the-mill thoughts and feelings and reactions. Every freaking alcoholic in the world would do basically the same thing in a similar situation. Yeah? So there's relief. Yes? That's just the beginning. Take it all the fucking way. Take it all the way. Why not? So here, so self manifested in various ways, wise to feed us. So we do an inventory. And what you're actually looking at are the expressions of self in your life. And if you have a lot of expressions of self in your life, that's a pretty good diagnostic tool to realize that you've been totally taken over by self. You're identified as it. Because how would it, would it have so much carte blanche to, to express into your life? You must let it in. And you're letting it into every aspect of your life because you never check it. its papers because you think it's you. So it's got the run of your whole life. Yeah. I use a nice example in, in the Monday night ones, which is, let's say I have this beautiful lawn and I, um, I have a beautiful porch and I love to run around in the morning dew. You know, I run around with those shoes on. I really like it and I have, like, croquet tournaments there and picnics and a lot of my life is based on this lawn the beauty of it I share it with all my friends and then one day I'm, it's early morning and the sun's, all the sunlight's glistening on the morning dew and I jump off the porch and I land in some shit yeah? immediately my life has to fit myself around this circumstance so I have to wear shoes now no more running around in the morning dew with no shoes on so I jump on the thing, and I say, well, that was an abnormal experience, and I step out on, in another way, and I step in more shit. So my first alcoholic solution is just ignore it. <laughs> I just go inside for a while, thinking it'll be gone by the time I go back out. So I go out in the afternoon, and I don't walk in those two ways, and I step in this more shit. And now I start seeing there's a lot of shit all over my lawn. I immediately call up, no more croquet today. Yeah. And then I walk in, I pull the blinds, I don't even not even going to look at it. And I, I go out and I buy pictures of lawns and I put them in my house and I start looking at lawns reminiscing. What a great life I had when I had that lawn. It's long gone but it's beautiful and I'd invite other people who'd lost their lawns. Let's go look. Let's look at the lawns and let's watch the Kentucky Derby, the blue grass of Kentucky. Isn't that how it reminds me of when I had that lawn? And so it's getting worse and worse. You look out and there's shit. It's like almost you can see the smell of it all. So some guy comes over one day, knocks on the door and says, hey, I hear you're having trouble. And you go, yeah, yeah, I got all this shit. I can't use my lawn anymore. He says, listen, I got this incredible tool. Yeah? I go, what? He says, a pooper scooper. I go, yeah, yeah, let me check it out. He says, and he shows me how to do it. And I'm out there picking up a poop and shit. But he says, you're probably going to need two. So you have to get really advanced. So now I'm there outside picking up the shit. And I get a little bit of time when my lawn's pristine again. Not the whole lawn, but it's, you know. I can have a small croquet tournament, you know what I mean? Me and my friend or something. And, you know, like that. But, and, but I can enjoy it, but then when I leave it, I come there and the shit's there again. Yeah? But what happens is I get really pretty good picking up the shit. And people who also have the same problem start hearing about me. And they call me up. And they go, hey, I hear you're pretty good with these pooper scoopers. Can you tell me what to do? And I said, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on over. We'll read the book about it, and we'll tell you, teach you about this. So everyone, and then, so now you're starting to get, you become like a circuit speaker. You're speaking to people with ruined lawns and everyone. You get an identification. You're getting to be hot shit in your little world. And you're really good. You're really quite good. People are respecting you, and they're hearing about you far and wide, and you're getting, doing radio shows, or, and so you're pretty much okay. You don't care about the shit anymore because it's you're cleaning it up as part of your identification, selfing, yeah, so total selfing.
So then another time, you run into a guy or a woman, and the guy said, hey, I got a, I got a solution for your problem. He says, what problem? I said, well, look at all the shit. You've got to be busy all day picking it up. He says, no, 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 this is my life. I'm serving other people, everything. You know? Without the shit, I wouldn't have this, you know, this authenticity, whatever. He says, okay, well, listen, though. If you ever want to entertain it, why don't you find the fucking dog? And you're, what? He says, yeah, find the dog. You get rid of the dog, there ain't no shit. Your lawn will be pristine in no time. You won't have to fucking learn how to pip poop, be a professional pooper scooper. There won't be any need for pooper scooping anymore. And you'll have your free freedom of the lawn again. And you're hesitant to that solution, though. Because now you've got a, an identification with being a great pooper scooper. You need the shit, really, in a sense. So, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It's, I, I, I didn't read this. No, no, I don't know if this is the answer. I said, okay, all right. well, it's totally okay. Keep on pooper scooping, you know. But one day, find the dog. The dilemma is, you're identified as the dog. So you can't entertain getting rid of the dog. So the best you can do is learn how to maintain all the shit that's going to drop in your life. How's it working for you? Hmm? How's it working, really? You become identified as that. Whatever happens, whatever there's, whatever's doing and having, the head in selfing will become the doer and the haver of it. And that's the bondage. It's the idea that you're the doer and haver. And yet in AA, we even talk about it where it says, something will happen to you with no thought or effort on your part. Your doing and having is totally out of the window. You'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. You will cease fighting everyone and anything. The problem will not exist for you. Yeah? It says you will be placed in a position of neutrality. It has nothing to do with any doing and having. It has nothing to do with any identification as the big doer and haver of your recovery. It takes you to another place where you truly surrender, not your will in your life, but the idea of thinking you had a will in a life. You surrender the idea of being a self. Yes? And that creates a state of surrender. Because self will th say it's surrendered, and then the next day, it will take it back. Oh, I turned my life over. Oh, but I took it back. Give me a freaking break. That's what it does. Doesn't it say that? Oh, I surrendered and then on Saturday. And then Monday, you've taken it back. It's your life again. This, it, it entertains options. When you realize you're not that, you can experience surrendered. Which isn't an experience, it's a state. In other words, you are convinced of the principles that AA has offered, and it's a done freaking deal now. You're staying constantly in the admittance of your powerlessness, and therefore you never experience powerlessness. You only experience power. The only time you experience powerlessness is when you exert power. Check it out. You do not experience powerlessness when you admit powerlessness. When I admit powerlessness, I have power all the time. You stay in that. What happens with us? We forget, and then we hopefully have a surrender to do what? To remember that. Why not just stay in that? There's no need to forget. The only thing that says you forgot is the head that you're not. Yeah? It says, admit to your innermost self. I don't like the word self, but all right, you've admitted to your innermost self. But now many people are trying to convince this, the outermost self. This will never be convinced. It will say it was convinced, and an hour later it's not convinced. If you're waiting for this thing to be convinced, to surrender in this program, give me a break. You'll surrender, and I took it back. I 
How many times do you need to surrender? It's not like dry cleaning, you know. It's freaking bring what? No, surrendered. You stay in a state of surrendered. Then your foundation is solid, and then life can get really, 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 really spicy for you. Yeah? You can walk in a door into a room and, and the whole experience is the walking, not the thinking about you walking in the door. Yes? Whatever you do, the doing of it overrides the you doing it. Yeah? Wherever you are, the being, the here-ness of it overrides your thinking, I'm not here. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, there's no need for you to try to get into a moment. You can't be out of a moment. All these books for self-help, how to be in the moment. You can't be out of the moment. No matter how much you're thinking about the future, you're doing it right now. You can't escape the parameters of reality. I don't care how much you think you can. There's no way you can escape the fact that all there is is now. But I'm thinking about a future now. Yeah, and it's happening now. Yeah. But I'm, I've been living in the past. No, you're not. On the surveillance cameras, I saw you at the meeting today. Oh, but I wasn't here. Yes, you were. You were here. I got you right on film, 845. You're sitting right there. Oh, no. I was checked out. No, you weren't. You were not checked out. You thought you were checked out. Yeah? We call it, you wanna, the head wants to live in what's not happening. Yeah? So here I am, sitting here. This is Wednesday night. Now, my head is presenting Friday night, next Friday. And the next Friday is, not, is what's not happening. But my attention is there. Yeah? And in what's not happening, anything can happen. I can have cancer next Friday. I can be destitute. My girlfriend can be sleeping with my best friend next Friday. All these terrible things can be happening in next Friday. Yeah? And I'm in there. My attention's totally in there. Unfortunately, what happens is, if I believe that what's not happening is happening, my body responds as if that's so. So the fear that I'm projecting that I'm going to be in next Friday, I start having now. Yes? Not fear, it's anxiety. It is not fear. Fear is a, fear is a valid emotion. This is anxiety. Mentally produced, the physiological effects of fear mentally produced. Called anxiety. All, all anxiety is brought from what's not happening and brought into what's happening. The body is what's happening, it gets suffers, the mind's what's not happening. Yeah? This, what's not happening of the mind gets downloaded into the body, and the body feels anxiety for what's not happening. Yeah? It's unbelievable. You cannot realize how much God this is playing. It's overriding what's happening with what's not happening. And it's using what's not happening to say, fuck no to what's happening. I'm going to live in the realm of what's not happening. If that ain't God, I don't know what is. So there it is in what's not happening. Anything can happen in there. <laughs> Any freaking thing. And if you have the thematic flavor of my head, it's not gonna be good usually. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be worry it's gonna be worthy of anxiety. It's gonna be totally valid to you to be worrying now about what's not happening. Seriously. Because the false evidence is appearing real to you. The false evidence is it's not happening. The thoughts that you're having are about what's not happening. That's the false evidence. For them to produce anxiety, they have to appear real to you. Yeah? So here's the false evidence. How can you tell me next Friday isn't false evidence? All I need is one fact. It's not happening. 
I don't care how valid it sounds like. It has one quality that it needs. And it it lacks one quality, which is it's not happening. (laughs) I mean, that's all I need to recognize every false bit of evidence is, oh, these thoughts are about what's not happening. (laughs) Okay, false evidence. Therefore, they never appear real to me. Therefore, the anxiety isn't downloaded. Yes? Then you're available and open to the conscious contact. And right now, this is a very safe little environment I'm in. And I have the ability to respond to that safety by relaxing. But if you're in what's not happening, you won't be able to respond to this because you'll be reacting to that. And that's freaking incredibly fearful. It's incredibly fearful that you're going to be destitute next week. It is. I'm so sorry that you're going to have a mythical cancer next week in your head. Have you ever seen that when you try to convince people about your mythical Friday, they don't usually get it? Because they're in their mythical Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah? All the little God playing usually never sort of gets uh, The two different gods are usually not making up a different day. You know what I mean? In other words, your mythical Friday will be different than my mythical Friday. So when I try to convince you, I'm really, this is serious. I maybe have cancer next week. You're really serious about what may happen to you next week. <laughs> so here, what's happening is simple. Yeah? You may not like it, it doesn't fucking matter. Because it's happening. That's the one quality it has that what's not happening doesn't have. But that's all that is needed to override what's not happening. All you need to do is be conscious of what's happening, and all the what's not happening that has been, that's been driving you crazy, you'll have an immunity to All there has to be is a clear recognition of what's happening. And what's the the original source of all the entertaining of what's not happening is the biggest what's not happening, and that is you as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That is not what's happening. When you tell the truth about that, you'll have immunity to what's not happening because you'll be grounded in what's happening. And what's happening is conscious contact. That's what's happening. You can change everything in the room, you can change the lighting, you can change the people, you can change the furniture, but what would be in contact with those furniture, the lighting and the people, is the exact same every moment of your whole life. And that's the consciousness of the moment. Yeah? That never deviates. Awareness is always part of whatever you're in contact with. All your thousands of different experiences were brought to you by one awareness. And that awareness is what you are. You're not this. You're not this that can be aware and not aware. You're the awareness. Awareness doesn't have an option to be unaware. <laughs> its nature is aware. That's it. That's what it does. It's aware. Yeah? Your head says, I'm aware, and then if I don't do something, I won't be aware. That's not it. Yeah? That's a conditional awareness. That's mind playing God with your own true nature. Your true nature is your conscious, yes? When you get rooted in that, you will have the ability to see the false evidence of what's not happening and be able to have an immunity before it appears real. Because as soon as it appears real, you're in, you're in the dance with it. It's like dancing with a gorilla. It's going to stop when it wants to stop. Yeah? So now you're gonna, that anxiety is going to seem, for all intents and purposes, real for you. That's actually a product of what's not happening. But you brought it into reality. It, it is totally false evidence, but it appeared real to you because of what? Because of your identification itself. I've seen it. I've looked at it. I swear. 
I've seen it. I've seen the manufacture and the reinforcement and the procedure of selfing. I've seen it. I'm sharing it with you so that maybe you can see it. Because once you see it, you won't be seeing from it. And then your life has the possibility of shifting radically. Not you getting a little better, but the you that you think is the foundation cracking like crazy. And then once it starts falling off, you'll realize that was the heaviest load you've ever carried, this idea of being a self. It's really what's causing all your other problems because it says, if you look at, let's say you have 40 problems, look on the other side of what has the problem. There's only one. One selfing with 40 problems. Why deal with the 40 problems? Deal with that. If you're not that, your dance with all the 40 problems will change dramatically. It's crazy. It's crazy to deal with the problems as if they're real. Who are they real to is more important. Who are the problems real to? If those problems are real to what you're not, yes, you'll have immediate relief about your problems. <laughs> the ability to bind you will be lost, yeah, because you're the binding agent. You're the, you're, allowing, you're the one that's believing them to be real problems because you're, real, you're the real haver of the problems, yeah. It's like they say, you know, Jesus supposedly said, like, you'll know the tree by the fruit. Yeah. A good tree can't bring forth bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bring forth good fruit. Tell me what fruit your thoughts are bringing you. Are they bringing you good fruit? Or are they bringing you, are they harvesting crops of anxiety and resentment and dread and impending doom? out of a heart, you know, a field of what's not happening. You cannot create as much anxiety that you're entertaining now in what's happening. There's nothing to be afraid of right at this moment. You have to be importing all this anxiety from somewhere else. Yeah? Where is that? It's it's the land of what's not happening. You're getting it freaking, you know, trucked in every day and dumped fears and resentments, harming other people, all this, all that, all this. The solution to that is just entertain what's happening. How do you do that? Tell the truth. You're conscious right now. If you're looking at me, there's consciousness that's supporting that experience. Have you ever put your attention on that instead of the things that you're aware of? Have you ever let your attention go from all this slavery to things to its own source and see what happens. In Taoism, they used to call it, it's an old Chinese way of life, called turning the light upon itself. Yeah? So the light of awareness you turn upon itself. Not this. This is not it. This is the body. This is an object. This light upon itself is light on light. So your attention, which is constantly going out attending to things, thoughts and everything, you let it turn around and let it attend to its source, which is light. See what happens. You may feel and sense what you're looking for. You're hoping that something outside will bring you. You may realize you're the bringer of it in your own life, but not as a self. A self is a seeker. It's never a bringer. It doesn't think it has much. It has to go get it. Yeah? Doesn't it? Its whole idea of doing and having is to become something. It's not acknowledging being at all. 
it thinks that it can do and have itself into a new becoming. How does that work for you? This is a thing of turning it around and just entertaining it. And I'll tell you, if we can entertain what's not happening and allow it to have an effect in what's happening, can you imagine you've entertained what's really happening? The power that would have? It's mind-boggling what can occur when you start using this incredible power of being able to entertain or giving meaning to things. Could you imagine if you gave that, if you (laughs) entertained truth, in a sense? (laughs) It would be like a nuclear explosion compared to what's happening now. It It would be so much force behind it. It could actually has enough force to convince you that you are a citizen of the fourth dimension, like they talk about in AA, that you are actually from a spiritual realm. You're like on a work visa here in a way. Instead of believing you're a citizen of this third dimension, trying to get a little taste of the fourth dimension, you're the fourth dimension. This third dimension is a, a place to express that. You know. But if you, you know, to me, I just found when I was in that selfing, I couldn't show up for anything. It was too much thoughts. You know, the greatest thing I'd been hoping for and looking for, when it arrived, I thought so much about it and me that I fucked it up. It was like like looking at a gift horse in the mouth. I couldn't ride it because my head was, but I shouldn't ride it. I don't deserve riding it. It's like I can never even just take a shit. It's always like this big debate, you know, whatever. Or never walked into a room. It was always, did anyone see me? Are my pants too short? My zipper down? I hope that woman's here that I want to meet that's going to save me. All this, all that. Instead of experiencing just coming in a room, you know? Experiencing eating food, experiencing surfing, experiencing sex, experiencing hiking, experiencing working, or whatever you want to call it. Instead of experiencing the thinking about working, and the thinking about sex, and the thinking about hiking, and the thinking about food, and the thinking, 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 thinking. It's like bland. It just dries everything out, I found, you know. I don't want any part of it anymore. And there's no need for it. You have the capability right now. You are totally free. We're just acting like we're not, you know. music we always have. We have great sound effects at this meeting. It's great. I love it. We used to have an improv class here and they'd be moaning and oh, it was like the death throes of the self. And it'd be perfect with the talk. We were in this room and it was great. Just the synchronicity would be fantastic. There is such a magical choreographer of this place. It's just unbelievable what happens. When you can, you know, it's like, what do they say in AA? God, God's way of... Uh, being anonymous is coincidences, yeah? You, just, you can read the tea leaves. There's so many beautiful synchronistic things occur because you're under another program, not self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is like a tunnel vision. Very limited possibilities. Always your being okay is put into a future or as a reminiscence of a being I once was okay, but it's never, it's, it's never a radical nowness of an okayness, yeah? I will be okay. You see people come in, they're flipped out totally, and the best they can come up with is, I, I will be okay. How about now? No, no, it's impossible. I'm really not okay now, so it will take me time to be okay. This is cuts it right to the quick. You are okay. I don't give a shit what your head's fucking telling. 
Your okayness isn't based on circumstances and situations. It's not conditional. Your nature isn't conditional. It's uncaused. How could it be affected by things that are conditional and caused? This thing outshines circumstances and situations, but we live as if we're in that bushel basket. Our whole light is being blocked. So what happens in that blockage of light? We're seeking artificial light. We're looking for someone to save us or be an authority or a book or something. You're your own authority. Your gut knows what's happening. People, I can't, what always blows me out is when I was younger, I would actually, I was so out to lunch, I'd get home from work, and then at 8 o'clock my mind would break the news to me I had a bad day. And I said, well, who was in the day the whole time? I should have known when it was going bad, while it was going bad. Why am I, am I like on a 12-hour delay? And then some people I meet are on years delay. They're so totally out to lunch. They have no idea. They haven't been, then the conscious contact is, is so un- unnoticed. They're in, they've been living in what's not happening all the time for years. It's become a habit. They're out to lunch constantly. They have to wait to have their mind tell them what's happening. They don't even know. They don't have a clue. Yeah. To me, that's being out to lunch. It's conscious contact. It's conscious contact. You're aware now. It's not like you're aware later when the mind tells you you were aware. You experience awareness now. And it has a presence in it. And it has some qualities, like you'll be available. And you'll be present. And you'll sense a presence that comes from being present. Yeah. You'll sense a presence. Some of us call that God. I don't call it God, but I sense it as a presence. And that's always available at all times, because you're always available at all times, no matter what your head's saying. You're in conscious contact right now. You couldn't say you weren't unless you were in conscious contact. You'd have to first be in conscious contact to entertain that you're not in conscious contact. It's affording every one of your options, your little mental options. I can be connected, I can be disconnected. I was connected when I was at the retreat, but now I'm not at the retreat, so I'm disconnected. So what does your aunt say? Well, sign up for the next retreat. Okay, when is it? Three months from now. All right, so I'll live in disconnected until I'll be connected in three months. Yeah, there you go. That's what it likes. So now it has you living in, in disconnected until you do something to be connected again. This is, you're already... You're, Beyond connected. You are it. You don't need to do anything. It's just entertaining the obvious, hopefully. Yeah. So, any questions? I'm going away uh, tomorrow to New York, so I'm going to do some talks there. I'm going to go to New Jersey, all my favorite places, Staten Island, <laughs> New Jersey, and Toronto. But we have meetings. You know, We have a website, zenbitchlap.com. They have the schedule, and you can download talks for free. And, uh, and if you want, if, you're, if this hit any little curiosity, I'm, I'm telling you, be it through me or someone else, repeat it. Repeat the message. Because repetition helps you. You got into the mess you seemingly are in by repetition, by habit. 
So we're attempting to throw something else in. So we have three meetings a week so that we can entertain this. And, um, and then everyone hopefully will travel lighter as they're running around. Yeah. I'm just like a mailman. I don't want you to follow me home. I just delivered the message. That's all. <laughs> my job's over. I don't, don't, here you go. You've been served. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a... Because yes. hold on one thing. Because that's the only thing I was lacking. I hadn't heard this, and my mind couldn't entertain it without hearing it from the outside. At least that was me. I was practicing diligently spirituality for years, and I was missing this, and I heard it from the outside. Someone else dropped it on me, so I'm trying to do the same thing they did for me to you. Hey, we passed the basket. Don't let any people get out of here before they pay money. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, What what was the question? carried by grace quite a lot. Yeah. Can you imagine if you surrendered to it? Yeah. It could really do something. Any other questions? No? I'm going to miss everybody here. Yeah. That self had defeated us. Self manifested in various ways had defeated us. Yeah. To me, knowledge isn't of the head or the heart, it's in the gut for me. So, but earlier you had talked about that this... The body. Well, I'm using the gut as metaphorically for like a deep... But I feel it. Oh, you do? Good. Well, I think when you, like, for me, when I say, like, what is this? Like, I go, okay, and I can feel it. If I say yes or no, then I can feel it. Yeah. Physically. Yeah, good. But if this is just this thing... What happens is, is the we that gets convinced is not the we that we are. But it's here. It's signal, it signals here, because what it gets convinced of, when it realizes I'm not Paul, it senses what's really so. And it senses it through the body. You can be conscious of it. It has movement. It's not the body, but it moves, it communicates through the body. Yes, it has to translate here somehow, and the body is its, is its interface. And yeah. so, when you say through our own experiences, then it's the same thing. Like the body has experienced like experience these things. Well, what you are is already so. What needs to be convinced is what you're not. Yes? So in other words, for you to have an experience of not being the body, you had first have to believe you were the body. In other words, for you to have a, a let's say, a, 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 an awakening that I'm not the body, it comes because there was a belief that you were the body. Right. So in a sense, what's getting convinced is what's not you. What you are doesn't need any convincing. So you're actually grappling with this parasite thing? No, 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 no. 
you're using, it's sort of like, you're using the parasite to question the parasite. Yes. When the parasite, let's say if the parasite's not real, yeah? And what it questions is the parasite's not real, you'll see it as emptiness in a way. When they both faces are turned to each other, you'll see there's nothing. When they're turning this way, when you're self-reflecting all day and then looking out all day, you believe there's a self. When you turn these two movements this way, you'll see there's nothing. There is no you as, as such, and that's incredible faith. You see, the head's going like this. Attention in self-centered is looking out constantly, yeah, at things. Because it believes it's a thing. It thinks it's looking out from here. So its habit is out and meeting things. And then in that meeting or experience, it reflects back on self. I had the experience. So all the attention goes out, runs into things, and then all the attention gets interpreted as I, Paul, had that experience. So there's one experiencer of all this. So so many energy is going out, and then there's the other habit of it bouncing back on self. Yeah? What we're doing is, see, we're turning this, this way, and we're turning this one this way. And so they look at each other. And you realize there ain't no self. Yes? <laughs> so they're going this way, we're turning this way. See? This way, it keeps the tension, the dualistic thing that I'm having all these experiences of those other things. So what are you talking about that says we can't we can through I don't know what they are. I'm not saying this is, in the, this is a pure uh, teaching, the big book. Yeah. I'm attempting to use the big book because that's where I come from to express and explore some other possibilities because it's a living book to me. But... The form that is expressed in quite a lot is in doing and having and being a self. So, but I'm not being confined by that because I see the essence that what I see in it is the essence of the message, which has nothing to do with the doing and having. Yeah? So I'm reading it in a different light because that's where I'm at. Before I read it as a doer and haver and a Paul that was going to get better by practicing this thing. Then somehow, the same book I was reading, when something started to occur, I saw it in a whole different light. And so I'm attempting to share through the same book that different light. Yes? So, and I don't, use, I, don't, I don't stay in the structure of the wording because it's based on doing and having and selfing. I try to dig, point out the essence of it that's available there. Because a live book is meant to be mined. Yes? Mind. It's always got more information to it. Just like you know, when you read the book, it, it seems like a different book hundreds of times because it's based on where you're at. You see a whole new bit of information out of it. You can mine it. It's a beautiful living book. We're all trying to do is add on to it and mine some new information for the ones in our tribe who may resonate with it. Because it may help you travel lighter. And the whole point is freedom. Yes? But you are saying self, which is a parasite or an intruder, is defeating a, a greater potential that we have. It's defeating our inner self. Well, it's not defeating self. But it's not defeating anything, because that thing can't be defeated. What it is, is distracting you from its recognition. Well, it's creating a lot of drama. Exactly. It sucks your attention, 
It sucks your attention from what you are into what you're not. And it demands it because it gets you into a lot of situations here that seem so fucking real so that you get glued to what's happening here. So you become, you live on a consequential level most of the time. Yeah? You're just reacting to things as if they're real and you're reacting to them as if you're real. We're saying maybe take a step back and it may not be true. And you're in my tribe, so I'm offering it to you. Yeah? That's all. Why not? I've seen a lot of people in AA, they, get, they hit a wall where something is missing. So then they 